Hello and welcome back to ABW in conversation with my mobile phone going off live on stream. Professional to the end. My name is Chris and I am your host for another one of the new series episodes. Uh, if you haven't tuned in before, where the hell have you been, first and foremost? But if you haven't, you've missed three excellent episodes so far with Danny. Uh, everyone knows who Danny is. Uh, Tom Canson of the Guna Talk and Simon Collings of also ABW, but um, more importantly, the Evening Standard. And uh, yes, fantastic. Three really good episodes. And today will be no less fantastic because... Um, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who this man is, but uh, I talk to him on a daily basis through the wonderful world of WhatsApp, uh, mainly about online gaming, which we will certainly bring up in our conversation today. Uh, it's a great pleasure of mine to introduce to you, or welcome, I should say, uh, Mr. Jeff Holifrin. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir, in the blistering heat of southern England? It's hot, mate. It's hot. Yeah, not going to lie. Us, us Brits are, uh, we like a moan, as you know. But uh, we we don't we don't do great in these temperatures, to be honest. So, you I, know, uh, I feel yeah. It's um, it's warm here, but it was really hot a few weeks ago. As you know, I think we talked about it. It was about forty degrees uh, on the west coast of Canada. It was it was blistering hot, and we don't have air conditioning. So I I feel your pain because, like you, the Canadians aren't really well suited to the heat it'll surprise you to know that uh, we're not well suited to the heat um, because canada is a frozen northern tundra wasteland uh, not really but it but it is um so i'm glad that you're surviving um and thanks for accommodating my uh my time zone request and and offering to record so late at night but it's probably a good temperature to record a podcast i would think Yes, yeah, much better than it could have been earlier on today. I can confirm that. So uh, you're you're very welcome. Um, as with all of these shows, then we are just gonna freeform because, um, sure. as as we sort of said from the off, this is very much an ad hoc podcast, and it's kind of just doing things my way. And my way is no prep, no planning, no notes. Just throw things out there and see what sticks. So of course we are going to talk a bit of Arsenal. And we're going to talk a bit of, as I mentioned from the off, there a bit of online gaming as well, which I know interests a few of our listeners. But the um, first thing I wanted to ask you, Jeff. Like, how how have you been? And uh, most people will know that you've you've been on ABW sort of from time to time in and out. But you've always been a, a long-standing member. You're one of the few people that's had the pleasure of staying in Danny's house. I'm not actually sure pleasure is the right word to use for that, but you know you did it and you survived. So um, what have you been up to since you last sort of did pods with us? And what what makes you what made you stick around with us? Because, like you said, even though the times didn't always necessarily work, you've always been one of our our crew in the groups, and you've always been one of us. So, what made you stick around? Uh, it's it's funny you mention that, and uh, that I I actually didn't stick around. I I, I stood down from ABW <laughs> about a year ago. But but you're right. No, um, I, I I understand your question. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, um, recall you know being invited to join ABW back when, you know, it was, it was a great crew. I think you and Jace had just joined. Um, Raj Patel was there, Jeff Arsenal, um, uh, Mr. Lord Hill Wood, Steve, rest in, rest in peace. Um, Dave, the Goonerholic, another gentleman, rest in peace. Uh, Danny Gimley, um, you know, there was quite a crew that came on. Uh, Mr. Fife was on, um, <laughs> 
and it was sort of in the heyday of what I think the heyday of, of podcasting around Arsenal. It was you were seeing a lot of big podcasts start, um, a lot get their get their bearings, and and it was just an honor to be a part of it. Of course, I started on the blogging side, which is is no longer happening, but it's really nice to see that some of the bloggers that we had on, on Burkham Wonderland have gone on to some amazing things. I know Simon Collins, you had a conversation with him uh, that I haven't seen yet. Cause I don't think it's been released, but dear viewer, you will see before you see this one. Um, he started as a blogger with us, um, drew uh, a guy who we all know and love. Um, and I, I think he's blogging now with um, you are my arsenal and uh, I do putting out some amazing work. Another guy that started in the blogging team with us. Um, and there are many more. So we started on the blogging side and uh, had a lot of fun with that. But inevitably when it's uh when you're volunteering, it, it can become tiresome. And, you know, for me, a full-time job and a full family, it was just a bit too much. Um, so I stood down from that, but stuck around, did some podcasts, uh, popular trivia. If, if you're watching this and if you care, uh, I was on the very first radio show, um, which was mm-hmm. basically, you can go find it on YouTube. It was basically Danny and I think Jace and myself. And I don't know if you joined, but it was like a trial of this. Yeah. Uh, and they called me on my phone and I'm sort of like, Hey, what's up? And, and, <laughs> anyway, did some early radio shows, did uh, a number of podcasts, um, but everything runs its course for me, um, and uh, I wasn't enjoying it as much as I had, um, and I wasn't able to find the time. So it was best for me to just kind of take a step back and let others, um, you know, get involved. And, uh, you know, I still love to listen to the pod, and I have my favorites on the show, and I, I, it's great to see folks like yourself, Chris, still involved and Danny and, and, and some of the new guys, you know, the Joshes of the world and, and, and Femi and Carl and Ellis and some of these new folks that are joining um, ABW. I think that's what makes it great is that there's these new perspectives and these new voices talking about Arsenal. It's awesome. So I still, I'm still a fan. I just, um, I just didn't have the passion to talk about Arsenal so much anymore. So yeah, and 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 here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. And I and I think you know I haven't even bothered answering your original question, which is what have I been what have been doing? Well, um, I think you know, uh, along with you know having a family and and a full time job. Um, uh, in COVID, particularly, I started a podcast with my soccer mates. It's a bit of fun. Um, it's not really meant for the broader audience. Um, but it was great for us. I mean, there's about 60 guys involved with uh, two soccer teams with our club and a hockey team uh, called LWO. They have no experience in this world. Um, you know, like yourself, uh, you know, logging on and firing this this stuff up is is easy. It's easy. Um, these guys, it was a completely foreign concept, but we I had a co-host and we did a limited run of shows and we talked about just some great drinking stories. It was always Friday night at 9 p.m. our time. Uh, it was live on YouTube through StreamYard like we're doing now. And um, and there was a huge interaction, and especially in COVID where people couldn't get together to have that, that um, connection. I've never felt more connected with the guys than I, than I did at that time. And to have a beer and every Friday night, it was like, you know, back when you were a kid and that, that one TV show that you watched that was on – once a week at a specific time and everyone got around the TV, like people with kids these days, I don't know what they, they mass consume stuff, but they, it was sort of like that. And so you'd had this social event and we'd get together and tell stories and get drunk on the internet. And, um, <laughs> and so that from a personal perspective was a lot of fun and it was, it was pretty energizing to kind of come through COVID and, and still have um, 
uh, and still have that connection. So that's that's one big thing. And I know you mentioned FIFA, but I, you know, I know we'll talk about it. But I, I'm worried about the judgy the judgy fans of ABW wondering why a 44 year old man in Canada even plays FIFA. Uh, <laughs> but, but hey, that's just. I'm only six years behind you, man. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean well, well, we'll just take the thumbs down now, folks, and move on. Right? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take so, the. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, uh, not much to talk about. Just sort of missed a year in my life there, as we all did, and kind of getting back on on the saddle now. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to me a bit about. We'll, we'll talk. We'll definitely talk about how it's affected Arsenal in very recent times in a minute. But how's how has it been for you, sort of COVID lifestyle wise in, in Canada? Because you know, a lot of our audience will be UK based, just from yeah. reasons like a lot of us are. But how has it been over there? Because we've obviously had a lot of. Um, we don't want to go too political, of course, but we've had a lot of kind of turmoil with our leadership and some of the rulings that have come in and then been subsequently dispatched away how has it been that side of the pond because you live on an island don't you for those who don't know and you've sort of noticed a lot of changes in you know the people that were coming and going and, and now it's changing again so how, how has covid life been for you it's hard not to get political with a question like that but, but, <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll try um and and you know i live on the west coast of canada the west coast is often called the left coast um uh, or, or the wet coast, depending on how you feel about rain. Um, so, uh, you know, Canada, massive country, all different perspectives across the country. So I can really only speak about, you know, my province, British Columbia, um, my city, Victoria, um, and my island, Vancouver Island, uh, which is not where Vancouver is located. So if you're watching in the UK, that's a popular misconception. It took me to the age of eight to figure that one out. Um and we're largely um, a compliant population. So when the government said wear a mask, um, isolate, stay inside, well, there wasn't a lot of questioning that you may see in some of the other countries, you know, the U.S. and, and probably in the U.K. Um, so there was a lot of just, hey, we'll just do this. We'll get through it. We'll shut down and we'll be better. Um but there's growing pains. I don't think there was any nation in the world that was truly prepared for this. Um, there were certainly seemed to be some government sort of, or some folks sort of making it up as they went along. Um, and there was a lot of different um, and differing perspectives on the science, right? So I, I won't weigh in on how I feel about it, but uh, but certainly here, folks, for the most part, wore a mask. Um, they locked down when we had to. Uh, we opened up when we could. Um, there aren't a lot of folks that are anti-vaxxer here, but there are some in, in my part of Canada. There are in other parts of Canada that people feel differently. Um, and and you mentioned being on an island, it's pretty easy to shut down travel, right? So, uh, you know, we're a very popular um, tourist destination. Victoria makes a lot of money from tourism and in particular cruise ships. It was difficult on that industry here because, of course, we shut down cruise ships coming into, into, into port from the U.S. I mean, it's... I can basically see the U.S. from my house, right? It's just across the straits to Washington. Um, and so it was hard on the industry, but I think everyone kind of recognized the sooner we did that, the sooner we could kind of potentially get through it. And it's been interesting. And it's been interesting because the province has now opened up more and more as of July 1st. Um, and people aren't, don't have to wear masks. And it's, it's similar to sort of what I see happening in the U.K. media. People are not wearing masks. Some people are choosing to wear masks. Some people are... Uh, really against it. Some people are really for it. Um, it's starting to feel like that a little bit, but um, 
I think from my perspective, it's a little strange um, mentally coming out of a world where you're like, I, you know, I got to be safe. I got to isolate. I can't be around a lot of people. Again, whatever your beliefs are on this thing. Um, it is a bit strange being around a big group of people now or going into a restaurant and, and sitting with 10 people and having a beer and, or, or a pub, if you will. It's just a little bit strange. But um, again, very fortunate in BC and specifically on my island, we didn't have a lot of cases. And so, um, you know, whether that's to do with our compliance or not, I'm not going to speculate. But, you know, again, we are an island. We're able to shut things down. We're not an island like, <laughs> like the UK. We're a little smaller. But, uh, but yeah, it, um, it's, it's nice to feel a bit of hope that we're coming through things. And it's nice to feel like we're going to get out of this and, and sort of get back to some semblance of normalcy. But at the same time, I don't know if we'll, I mean, we're going to be different. I was different forever right i mean we're standing outside of a store a couple months ago and there's lines painted on the on the sidewalk of where you can stand right for social yeah. distancing and that but those are it's permanent paint so it's sort of something that you speculate on and you say like this is something potentially you tell your grandkids about like oh what were those lines for grandpa oh well this is what it was it was the big the big <laughs> plague of 2021 so um <laughs> I think like, the, and then from a vaccination perspective, our, you know, a lot of people are on their double dose. So I think, um, you know, in terms of some of the countries and their vaccination rates, we're, we're, we're up there. I don't think we're the highest, but uh, yeah, a lot, a lot to say there, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. bored everyone to death on that. No, no, I, I think it's fascinating. I think generally everybody who listens is, it's just different to hear a different perspective from, from different places in the world. And especially when we've got that opportunity, it's, it's good to have that. And some of the things that Simon was telling me about the Euros and how things were policed there and, and how it was different for different countries and uh, even different media rooms for different um, countries spe- or country speakers, different language speakers, I should say. It was all very, very strange for him. So it's definitely an interesting thing to uh, to look at. And you're you're fresh off your second jab uh, literally an hour ago, aren't you? So you, you're yeah. a real trooper for coming yeah. on today. Yeah, not, an hour, not an hour ago and all good, so knock on wood. But, uh, but yeah, the, and the, the one last thing I'd say is um, what – what I personally like about specifically what I saw in my city was a lot of the community rallied around the small businesses that were particularly impacted and went out of their way to order out or, you know, get the skip the dishes or, or I don't, you guys have skip the dishes, I'm assuming, right? And, yeah. Uh, Uber Eats I and things like do. that. People, <laughs> people went out of their way to tip better. I know um, in England, it's not a tipping you guys don't tip the way we do. We tip everything. So instead of, you know, every time you eat out, not at Mac D's, but at a restaurant, you would normally tip, you know, about 15% on your meal. Um, and I know that's not something that happens in England. It totally threw me, the, 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 every, you know, when I went there, uh, people thought I was some sort of weirdo. I think they thought I was an American. And, uh, but, but people were tipping more and just trying to help the industry through. And I thought that was just, I don't know, that just sort of, you know, as a dad and talking to my son about it and saying, you know, you try and shop local, support local and, and help the economy and just do what you can. I think it was a really, um, I don't know, making the best of a bad situation, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we kind of adapted and done our best to move forward as, as, as best we can, I guess, in, in the scenario that we're in. Um, let's, uh, let's just talk a little bit uh, about kind of podcasting and, and that area sure. in general, because like you mentioned the, the sort of 
I was saying the same again. I think I mentioned this to Danny that during particularly the lockdowns and the, the, the influx of the COVID situation, it gave a lot of people a platform to to jump on and talk about football, um, soccer, if you will, and other sports, other interests. You know, you got people streaming for the first time. It was it was just open season. Everyone seemed to have a podcast or some media platform that they were they were going on. How how have you found that? I mean, have you sort of found that you've broadened your horizons and started watching different types of media or, or ingesting different types of media, or have you kind of stuck loyal to the ones that you enjoyed before? And, and has anything kind of have you taken on something new? Like, have you got into something new as a result of of finding new new sources of media at home? Well, that's a really good question. That's a really good question, Chris. Uh, I try. <laughs> yeah, no, that was you said you didn't plan, but that one feels. Planned. Anyways, no, I genuinely um, wasn't straight off uh, the top. Well, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> All good. I mean, that's the power of of platforms like this is that they're so accessible for better or for worse. Um, everyone has a megaphone now. Everyone, yeah. um, and it's so it's even so much more different than say when you and I joined Twitter, right? I mean, I don't know when that was 2011, 2010, something like that, right? Maybe even before that. Um, everyone has a voice, everyone has a megaphone, everyone can get in front of people and espouse their truth, um, just like we're doing today. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it helped them through um, a long 18 months where connection and personal connection was very difficult. So that's the great part about it. Um, and and people got to try things, new things. And I, I mentioned we did our little soccer uh, football team related podcast which was a lot of fun and, and we heard from a lot of guys that that connection helped them through great stuff really great stuff um, and you know then the flip side is there's some people shouting into the void some pretty negative stuff as well um, and I'm you know me I, I I just don't really have a lot of time for that stuff um, but you mentioned your second part of your question was really around, did I discover anything new? And I have to say, for me, um, as you know, I uh, started um, listening to content creators more and more on Twitch, um, which wasn't really something that I was into before. I knew what it was. I didn't really get it. Um, you know, you're going to watch somebody play a video game and you're going to interact with them. Um, but I you know, it was interesting. It was something fun to do. Um, and so from a platform perspective, you kind of get the feel that Twitch is is extremely powerful. I know ABW has been playing around with putting some stuff out as well and Danny playing video games or or whatever. But but it's not limited to video games. The content on there is, is expansive. Um, I have my favorite YouTube channels. Um because I wasn't going anywhere. So, so typically when I listen to a podcast, it'd be in my car when I'm going to work. Right. So you're not watching something, you're just listening. But, um, with COVID you're, everyone's at home, you start watching things more and, and that's a whole different ball game. You know, right now, if you're watching you and I, you can see, uh, our body language, you can see if we're comfortable, you can see, you know, if we're trying to really emphasize a point and I enjoy that. I really do. And I think, um, I think more and more visual style platforms like this or like Twitch, you're just going to see more and more of that. Um, and I think also, and again, I'm not, it's not like I, it's really a big thing, but uh, you know, pre COVID there was a, it was things were getting shorter and shorter and shorter. 
you know, you've got the sort of TikTok crew or the Vine crew and short, um, sort of short clips of things. And I feel like, and I, I have no empirical proof of this, but it feels like longer things are now back in vogue because again, people don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. You have a captive audience. We used to say this with our guys on the soccer thing. It's like, yeah, you know, tonight's tonight's uh, show could be two hours. It could be four hours, but where do you have to go? Yeah. You got nowhere to go. So um, it feels like that length kind of crept back in and we've got more of people's attention spans. I know we're what, 20 minutes in and likely after my COVID talk in Canada, everyone tuned out, but you know, it just feels like, you know, and I don't know if that's the case from your perspective, because I know you um, watch a lot of online content and things like that, but I don't know if it feels like that for you, but your, your patience with something is a little bit more because it, you know, you don't have to rush out of the house to go meet 20 friends because all your 20 friends are all sitting at home as well. Cause they couldn't get out. Right. Yeah. So it, it feels like um, it sort of changed the ball game a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I think definitely Twitch you mentioned Twitch and uh, um, you know, some YouTube channels that I've been watching, but yeah, it definitely. Yeah. I, I've, I've done, I found the same thing. I've, I've kind of YouTube in particular is something that I, I, I really only, watched youtube pretty much i watched the the kind of the, the fifa streamers that we will mention later on um sort of for the uploads of, of the new content for games that was kind of something i watched and i used to watch the occasional kind of if there was something like a specific interest somebody said oh have you seen this new i don't know paratrainers or whatever i'd be like oh i'll go and have a look or if there was a new phone coming out i'd go and look at it on youtube since the lockdown like i i pay for um premier premium youtube now would never ever have imagined paying for youtube but i got so sick of adverts because like you said i was watching shows that were actually feature length shows um uh, we, we had the conversation recently about the fact that i'm now kind of uh, slightly worryingly obsessed with crime and serial killer documentaries um so if this is my last broadcast they got me but uh it, yeah it's, it's fascinating and watching a show like that when you get so immersed in it having an ad stuck in the middle kind of killed me a little bit so i was like you know what i'm gonna pay the extra 10 quid a month and get this this whole platform and uh, same with twitch you know if you just said to me that i would have paid to subscribe to three different uh, content creators as i do now i would have told you laughing and for the for the record as well two of them yes they are fifa one of them is is not fifa at all um she just plays sort of lots of mostly horror games but like you said i i just found the personality gripped me like and her community is very friendly and typically she gets between sort of 50 and 100 people in the stream uh per episode she just hit 60k views today ironically which is fantastic for her but it's all about the engagement and the personalities that you tune in for and then the friendly community that you get. Uh, where some streams, like, as you just said, you go in and there's thousands of people and you just think, I'm never going to interact here, but I'll keep watching. And background noise, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm all about the background noise. Something on just keeps me entertained, just keeps me going, um, particularly when there's nothing else to do. You mentioned the kind of social media platform, and this is where we'll sort of transition a bit into Arsenal talk. There's, one of the things I really like about about you, uh, aside of our friendship as a whole, is your your level-headedness and, and your intelligence at, at breaking things down, and particularly in, in a world of, of Twitter, and in, in particular at Arsenal Twitter or football Twitter, if you like. There's a lot of people who are very reactionary. Um, I know, shock horror. And the very 
out there with their opinions. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been down that road before. We all learn. But th- there's some people who you look at sometimes you think, you're really an in- intelligent bloke. Why would you come out with such waffle? I've always respected the fact that you always see the big picture. Um, and you can feel free to tell the listeners if you want about your education and background, because I know that you've got qualifications in and around this area. But how do you sort of, how do you keep so level and, and how do you sort of keep so so chill when there is so much rubbish that goes around on social media and particularly in the Arsenal sphere? Alcohol. <laughs> it's the right answer. <laughs> I like how you transition that because I was going to ask you about who you're, which female Twitcher you're following for her personality, but we won't, I'll, I'll leave you, I'll leave that one. I'm going to leave that one. Um, uh, <laughs> she's, she's very pretty. I will, I will admit to that, but yeah. No, no judge you here. I mean, it's just the fact that you can connect. Um, I think you're giving me far too much credit. First of all, um, from an education perspective, there's nothing, I mean, I mean, you know, I have a, I, just have a degree in economics like it's nothing just nothing fancy it. right no no but it's not like it's <laughs> it's something to do with um sociology or you know people and the way they interact but um or psychology rather um i don't i don't really know i mean i just try not to get too swept up in um in social media i mean there's no real secret to it i think when I look at social media, um, all you, you know, especially think place like Twitter, all you are seeing is a series of opinions. Unless it's coming from an, a specific news source or something like that, right? But but for the most part, the people you follow are offering their opinions on things. And I've never felt the need to get to, um, to feel offended or outraged about someone's opinion on social media. So... You know, if we relate that to, to Arsenal, there's a lot of there's a and I know this is you know not poking the bear here, but let's talk a little bit about William Saliba, right? Um, you are very well informed and you know things from the French side of things, and I have other folks that I follow that are pretty well informed on the English things, and I know when we talked about this the other day, the stories didn't match, whatever that story is, right? About you know him going on loan to Marseille, and and I think at one point there was a, a an erroneous report that said there was an option to buy at the end of his loan, right? That, that it was a mandatory option to buy and people got, there was outrage. I mean, it was the stick to beat the club with. Um, How could they let this happen? And you just take a step back and you say, well, you know, Chris, you're well, well well-informed. These other folks, if those stories aren't matched, neither one is probably the truth. The truth is probably in there. And so therefore people are likely expressing some stuff they heard and and adding opinion. There's nothing there to get upset about, Um, you know? And so I guess maybe that's, that's the way I look at things. It's like, okay, we, you know, Saliba um, and, and, and I tend to look at things as, as the glass glass is half full. So I'll fully, fully respect that I have biases where I'll clearly ignore criticisms against the club that maybe others would use as the, as the stick to beat them with, if you will. I I get that. Like, um, I understand that. I just, um, you know, I've been through so many transfer windows. I've seen so many players come through Arsenal. I've been through now a ton of transfer windows on social media with Arsenal as you have, um, Folks, it's it's just past the middle of July. There's nothing to panic about right now. 
Um, there really, I mean, there really isn't. If you're getting upset about what you read on someone's Twitter account, it may not even be true. Um, or if it's an element of the truth, you may not have all the facts. So what's the point of just getting upset about it? And I've seen some crazy people sending, I saw somebody sent a letter to Vinay um, at the club last week. And of course, did the Hallmark tweet with the little the little siren, the little flashing light in it and said, uh, exclusive, I've sent a letter and it was full of mistakes and spelling mistakes. And it's like, you know, get a grip, you know, just it's not worth. And, you know, my favorite one now is, is people that get really upset about Mikel Arteta being a liar. He's a liar. <laughs> I just have to laugh. I mean, Arsene Wenger famously did not know who Santi Cazola was three days before he signed them. Right. <laughs> it, this is not a new thing. The club and the, and, and the manager and agents and players, if it's not in their best interest to tell the truth, they don't have to, they're not obliged to tell all of us the inner workings of their deals. So, I mean, I try and keep that in mind. Um, I know when we were talking about economics, we were talking about the super league. We had a whole yeah. discourse about that. I don't want to rehash that, but um, sort of pointing out um, likely what Kroenke's perspective was on it at the time and purely from a financial and removing the emotion from it. That isn't, guys, if you're listening to me, I did not support the ESL. I did not in any way, shape, or form. So what I just said there was not in support of Kroenke, but just to kind of say, well, I can see where that is coming from. It was dim-witted and, and, and bound to fail. Still, though, you see elements of why some of this stuff is happening from a financial perspective. Real Madrid and, and Barcelona are absolutely in the shitter. Like they're financially, I mean, Barcelona can't, they can't sign new players until they get other players off their wage bill. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But that t gives you some indication as to why they wanted so badly for the European Super League to succeed is because they wanted an injection of cash. They wanted the rich to stay rich. That's what that was. Um, and I don't even know if Real Madrid, maybe you know if Real Madrid is finally thrown in the towel, but last I heard they were still banging that drum about a Super League. Um, yeah, I think they're still in it. I think, yeah. I think the last time I heard they were, yeah. yeah. Well, the what I figure is the last one in it gets the cash, right? Because there was mm. penalties if, if we withdrew. And again, it's about the money, right? They're broke. Um, and, you know, the, the, the other thing with Arsenal now is this, um, I know we talked about the other day about the amount of loans happening, right? And, you know, a loan is not a loan is not a loan. You know, there's a loan for the development of the player, Um and that could be argued in the case of Saliba. And I, again, maybe it's a bit a bit sensitive, but if you have a young up-and-coming player, you may loan them out to get experience, right? And then there's these loans that we're seeing now um, with the loan with the option to buy. A uh, guy like Hector Bellerin, for example, being linked with Inter, right? Um, Inter, Serie A champions. I know, by the way, amazing new home kit. Oh, amazing, so nice. amazing new home <laughs> kit. So nice. Amazing new home kit. But they're they're linked with Bellerin. It sounds like the noises are Bellerin wants to go. It sounds like we're open to letting him leave. Um, and you'll know more about Inter than I do. But I understand their skin right now. Like they did get an injection of money from uh, what? Who was it? Was it Ashram Hakimi that they sold? Yes. Uh, yeah. To PSG. They, yeah. But that money was earmarked for something else in their in their balances book. It was not for a new player. There aren't a lot of clubs 
saying right now we have tons of money to spend. In fact, Arsenal is one of the few that are spending big bucks. I know Man United, they signed Jaden Sancho. Um, and then PSG is PSG is PSG. They're going to sign. They're going to sign. They've got the money. But other clubs, I mean, you look at, like I said, Barcelona, they've got Depay and Gini Wijnaldum and someone else they signed waiting just to get on. because. But teams largely, I think, coming out of COVID don't have a lot of money to splash. So you're going to see more of these loans with a mandatory buy because I think teams are are hoping that this year when crowds are back in the stadiums that they're, they're, um, there's going to be an, an influx of, of money and that money will then allow them to basically um, to, to basically purchase these players a year later. And so that's another one where people are outraged about loans, but you kind of got to look at each one individually. Maybe there is a specific loan that, that's worth being outraged about. Um, maybe, maybe like we pick on Joe Willick, and then I'll ask you your opinion on this one as well. Joe Willick, well, he's he's in an interesting spot. Do you you know he's come off? Um, he's probably at his the highest value he's ever had. I mean, there's no denying. Factually, he went to Newcastle. And he, he tied? Did he tie or beat Shearer's record of consecutive goals in games? I think he, I don't actually know. At least he tied it. He definitely tied it, yeah. yeah. So, and, and as a midfielder, right? I mean, mm. Alan Shearer's a, a Jordy legend, right? And so he's got to be at the top of his value. But Newcastle, they, I don't think they have a lot of money to buy him. So he's like, well, and, and I don't get the sense that we know whether we want to keep him or not. I, mm. I don't know. Uh, you know, he is he an eight? Is he a ten? Uh, are we going to play that way? Are we going to? You know, we seem to attack through our fullbacks. Um, we seem to attack uh, when we're playing against teams that are low block through uh, like a, a traditional number ten. Um, you know, Smith Rowe and, and quick movements, and then the third way we tend to attack is through our center backs playing, distributing the ball like a David Luiz. Maybe that sounds like why Ben White might be coming in. Um, where does Willick fit? Is he at eight? Um, is he going to play a double pivot with with Partey? Maybe. Um, is he a 10? Well, he's not. I mean, he, he seems to have some attributes where he plays a little bit more deeper. So is he a deep line playmaker? Well, his success at Newcastle seems to be when he took the ball and he ran with it. Um, and he attacked, and then he had that attribute of sort of arriving late in the box, sort of a Lampard esque, right? Like, a, um, so you know, I don't know whether we'll loan him or not. Do I? Am I fired up about it? I don't know. Is is that one where we loan him to develop him, or we lo- loan him with the option to buy because we're going to cash in? And it's kind of strange, but it's not something I'm getting too upset about. To, you know, to answer your original question, because I, I keep. You know, I'm talking too much. I would love to hear your thoughts on Joe Willick and what I just said, because I just yeah. don't know. I mean, it's an interesting one. Well, we're talking as part of this show. So, you know, you can talk for as long as you like. That's absolutely fine. That's what makes the interviews fun. Uh, imagine us just sat in silence yeah. for an hour. That would be really awkward, wouldn't it? I should do one of those, like yeah. Chris in conversation with Chris, and I'll just sit here in silence for an hour. But, um, yeah, the, the Joe Willick one is it, it's one of those ones that I'm actually a little bit cheesed off about. I mean, I... I poked the bear a little bit on Twitter the other day and just said, dear Arsenal, can we please stop loaning bloody players? And I, much like you, the older I've got, the more wiser I've got, I like to think. I, I use Twitter now as a bit of entertainment for myself. And uh, I like to kind of, I like to, uh, me and Dom used to say, it, you know, just, just chuck the fishing rod out there and see what I might catch every once in a while. And it's kind of fun as long as you don't sort of offend or upset anybody. But occasionally I do get a bit fired up and I do get a bit, 
you know, kind of opinionated on on things. It's the club I love at the end of the day. And the Willock one does, I do think it's strange because he feels like a player who would give us something that we don't have. And I think I think it was Arsblog made this point the other day and he was saying, maybe it's not necessarily all about us. Maybe it's actually a bit from the player. Maybe he has expressed an interest to go back out because, you know, he wants to play. And it's the same with Maitland-Niles. I think his camp, he came out didn't he recently and said, oh, well, I, you know, I want to go or, or Arsenal, it's up to you, basically make the decision. And um, I sort of feel like with with Joe, if, if you didn't have Smith-Rowe and you didn't have Saka, I think he probably would be in the plan straight away. But the fact you've got those two and Pepe and <coughs> William and a few others, maybe there's the, we're running out of room. But there's so many plus points to him. Like you said, he can play as an eight, he can play as a 10. I think he can even play as a six if you asked him to. He is a goal-scoring midfielder, the one thing we do not have. He's young. He's English. He's homegrown. There's so many pluses. And and this is a guy that I remember when he broke through, I think it was Blackpool, I want to say, in the FA Cup, that he got his first start and he got, got a goal in that. And, and we we thought really big things about this guy. And we were like, yeah, this, this is going to be one of those guys. And then he sort of development went a bit backwards when he had that iffy season. I think there's a season afterwards and it just didn't quite catch fire. And and then everybody decided he was crap, as our fan base generally does. So I, I would keep him personally. And I just, with that one, I don't see, like you, I don't see the point of a loan because he's never going to go on that scoring run again, I don't think, whether that be with us or with any other club. So his value has never been higher. So if you are going to, if you are going to let him go now, you, you've got to look to sell. And I thought Mikel Arteta's comments about this, I think I mentioned this to Tom the other day, the whole line of while Joe's with us, we'll get as much as we can out of him. I thought that was quite telling because that wasn't a, he is our player, you know, like what he's come out and said about Smith Rowe, he's 100% staying with us, that's it. It wasn't that. It was like, well, you know, if Joe's here, we'll use him. And it struck me as kind of one of those, we'll keep him happy and we'll make it clear that he's welcome here in case we need him. But if he wants to go, then we won't stand in his way. So I, I it is, it is a weird one. And it's sort of, it sort of also trans, uh, sort of seamlessly translates into my next kind of point I wanted to ask you about, which is I saw a very interesting tweet the other day, talking of tweets, and not all of them, but many are not interesting, but this one did kind of interest me because you're slightly on the side of the fence where you're a little bit more positive towards Mikel than I am. And I've said on all the pods I've done now with the other three guests, I'm not anti-Arteta, I'm not Arteta out, quote-unquote, I want it. I want to be. I want to want him to prove me wrong. I have my doubts. I have my concerns, and I want him to prove me wrong. And I want him to have a long, successful career. And ultimately, I want what's best for Arsenal. And if that's under him, fantastic. My slight concerns are about his man management, and also some of the excuses that have come to light. And the tweet that I saw the other day interests me. Was that he's now signed ten players in his time at Arsenal. And the tweet simply said, how many, how much longer can Mikel Arteta use the, excuse, the use excuse that it's not his side? And that got me thinking, do you have a view on that? Because th- these aren't the 10 players he signed. They're not really fringe players. They're all, you know, Partey, for example, and Willian at the time. They're, they're, they're big name signings and the ones this summer. They're all players that you would expect Gabriel as well to make an, an impact. So where do you stand on that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, th- I think uh, 10 players isn't enough to, to judge him on. 
Um, and you're right. I, I tend to look more positive, posit- positively at, uh, at Arteta. You have to remember when we hired him, he was the head coach as well. So there was a period where he was just the head coach. He was not the manager. Um, that was a change they made after Arson left. In fact, when Emery came in, he was the head coach as well. Um, so obviously the relationship has changed. Um, there are players that you name that um, I don't fancy, William. Uh, and and his persistence with William in the fall last year, I think, cost us dearly, um, especially when you see how much Pepe gave in the second half of the season um, and you scratch your head and you say, look, why wasn't Pepe playing all along? Why wasn't Pepe playing all along anyways? I mean, he's yeah. a younger player. Um, why are you Why are you going with William? I mean, William had one good game for Arsenal that I can remember, and it was Fulham in the first game of the season last year. Yeah. And then it all kind of went terribly wrong. Um, and for whatever reason, it, it hasn't worked. And so why did he persist so long? Um, but that said, there are examples, I think, with Arteta where I've been really impressed with how players have come out of um, come out of their shells or have improved their performances. And um, what I find, you know, I think you have to look at it and say Arteta has a very specific personality type. Um, and by all accounts, again, by all opinions, um, he's quite firm. I mean, I think leaving Aubameyang out for uh, Spurs, that could have backfired spectacularly. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, but he's he's a very much, I'm in charge. This is the way I want to run things. Um, he likely gets that from, um, from Pep. I think Pep's very similar in, in nature, very hard-headed. There are going to be players that respond well to that type of management and that type of coaching, and there are players who will not. And right now, it's hard to really tell. I mean, there are certain players you may look at and you say, "Mm, yeah, probably. But then you've got on the flip side, you've got a guy like Kieran Tierney coming out and saying, you know, one of the big factors of me re-signing was Mikel Arteta. Um, you know, and, and he doesn't have to say that. He doesn't have to get in the media. I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't have to. It wasn't written into his contract, at least. Um, they didn't say, hey, why don't you give the manager a plug? He's 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 not. He's taken a battering lately. But I'm assuming that's the case. But I, I'm thinking of some of the other players that may have been fringe players that actually didn't look too bad in the second half of last season. The first half really cost us. But the second half of the season, um, although I think you've mentioned, wasn't sometimes very attractive football. Um it, it, from a results perspective, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. We, we actually, that rescued our season to get to eighth. And, and by no means am I satisfied with that. But I think it gives us a platform where we can go on this year and be more successful than we were last year. But there were players that on the fringe that contributed. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, um, Cedric when he signed. I mean, all of us were like, who? Why? Oh, we're clearly signing him because of his agent, right? And his agent's relationship with the club. Um, why do we need him? You know, what has he got to give? But, you know, I found myself more and more saying, um, being more and more impressed with his contributions to the side. Is he the guy who's going to help us go undefeated? Probably not. But in terms of a backup right back for the club, I was really impressed with him. Um, and I don't know if that's down to our Ted or not. We, I mean, that's just speculative. Uh, Callum Chambers is another guy. I know we don't totally see eye to eye, and I know Fife and I don't won't see eye to eye because Fife, <laughs> Fife is not a Callum Chambers fan. Um, 
I'm not suggesting Callum Chambers should be our first choice right back, but as in terms of the performance he, performances he put in last year um, in the second half of the season, um, he's not a small, quick uh, wing back. He is, you know, a big loping fullback. And, you know, but his crossing in games was excellent. He caused damage. He, he was offensive. And he's the last guy you would think would be offensive. You have to think that's down to something to do with the coaching and the management of him and in that position. Because it was only a few years ago he was just getting absolutely ravaged by Jefferson Montero against yeah. uh, Swansea, right? We all remember that. Yeah. And for him to kind of – the way he's played and the way he's grown up – Rob Holding's another guy that um, I, I don't know if I totally rated uh, a year and a half ago. And and I, again, I'm not suggesting he's our first choice center back, but again, the performances that he put in were very encouraging. It tended to be more, um, you know, when we lost games, I thought we lost a patch when we, we had some key injuries and we lost a patch, which were down to individual mistakes. Um, guys like um, Granite Shaka trying to pass it out of the back where at Burnley, I think it was last year. Um, Leno had a couple of howlers. But these other players, these bit part players that we were would probably be happy to sell last summer, I think they elevated their game a bit. And, and I, I get that there's an argument there that, that I might be incorrect. And again, you said I look at things a little bit positively. But I was really impressed with some of our backup players. And I don't know if you feel the same, but I know you asked the question, so I can put it back. No, no, I, I do. I, I, th- I think you make some good points. And uh, the, the one thing I think that Mikel is, uh, suffers with or has suffered from, I should say, is a better way of putting it, is that a lot of people made their mind up straight away. And, you know, I, I, I feel like we, we all got swept away, I think, with the FA Cup win initially, me included. And at that point, I was like, this guy could do no wrong. He's the future and that's it. And then I think gradually, because I think we almost overachieved with that cup win. You know, we let's be honest, we we dropped back our way to to that FA Cup, and we defended very very solidly, and we took the, the few chances we got, and we got a bit of luck to win that FA Cup, but we still won it. And I think off the back of that, expectations rose, and we all kind of thought, right, we need to kick on from here. And then it because it slid so spectacularly to the point where we didn't even qualify for Europe in the last season. I think people made their mind up and that was it. And and I do think, like you said, the changeover to head coach came very suddenly. And I don't think that's necessarily Mikel's sort of um, fault, because if you're you would know, like if you're in a job and your boss comes to you and says, hey, Jeff, uh, we're going to promote you tomorrow. Basically, your job's the same, but uh, <laughs> but you but you're going to get a pay rise and you're going to get a new job title. If somebody said that to me, I'd be like, oh, OK great you know if i don't have to do anything differently i just get a different name plaque on the door and and i get more pay uh, but i'm cool with that so whereas i think in reality the change to manager did add more pressure because it meant he had to deal with these things behind the scenes the dressing room the, the clear out of, of staff and that's where i do sympathize with him a lot has gone on off the pitch not just the covid thing but everything linked to it the, the bamiang situation the, the contractual situation the paying off of players to leave people forget that there, there, there has been a lot of upheaval. Um, where my concern came in with him was the the thing that he was brought in to do, the thing that he was sort of so good at was the coaching, and that was what worried me when we started to lose. You know, some players you could just see were not performing at a level, and he was continuing to pick them, like William, and that sort of inability to 
to do what he looked like he was doing so well in that COVID period where it's like to change games, change tactics in game and, and to revolutionise a team. And it felt like he was he got very, very sterile towards the at the end of that season or towards Christmas, sorry. And then after Christmas, we, as you rightly said, you know, we got some results and albeit, yeah, I hold my hands up. I, I wouldn't say I was enthused by the football, but we did get some results and we finished with a at least a bit bit of an upward turn and and probably that's why we're now looking to freshen the squad and like you I mean I'm I'm excited for the new season I just I just worry that Simon and I discussed the Amazon documentary that's a worry for me the the opening fixtures or the opening six to seven weeks there's some tough fixtures in there and I just worry that we might be back in a situation at Christmas where we're looking over our shoulders at 10th or 12th again and going oh this feels a bit samey but i hope i really hope i'm wrong because that amazon documentary will be amazing if we're in the top four <laughs> so it's kind of one of those something else that's come out today as well which i just wanted to touch about it because it's recent affairs the u.s tour has been cancelled i don't actually i must admit i haven't read the official story i've just sort of seen from our whatsapp groups and stuff I don't know whether the whole tournament itself has been cancelled or, or whether it's it's just us. I know that Inter pulled out of our game and we've now subsequently pulled out of the, the tour. Um, does that Do you think that will affect us in any way? Because I'm assuming we now need to rearrange some games. I presume we'll do some behind-closed-doors friendlies now to fill the gaps. Um, or the cynic in me says, well, at least that gives Edu a chance to come back off his holidays and... Uh, Maybe we can get some of these deals over the line without having to focus on uh, on teams to play in, in, in the in the American uh, Cup. So, what do you make of that situation? And do you know much about it? Um, I haven't read the full press release, but from what I understand, um, the COVID cases were related to players and staff at Arsenal, and I could be wrong. Um, and there was some asymptomatic tests uh, that came back or, or asymptomatic asymptomatic individuals involved with Arsenal. And so that's why we pulled out. Um, so in the, in the broader scheme, I mean, that having COVID in the camp, forget the U S tour side of things, potentially could have a significant impact um, on Arsenal and Arsenal's preparations for the season. And so taken, you know, again, taken off the basis of that, that would be where my concern is. Um, Certainly, I know people that had plans to go to see Arsenal in the States, and I'm, I'm obviously super sympathetic to them. Um, Shredder, I think, was going to head down to to check them out. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, especially when you don't have that opportunity to see Arsenal, but nobody's really had that opportunity to see Arsenal in, in um, 18 months, other than the few fans that made it in towards the end of the last season. So it sucks. It does potentially impact Arsenal. I hope that it's not too serious and that we can come through it quickly because um, time is of the essence, I think, as you suggested, even with Adu, um, to kind of get our preparations underway and, and and get them done. Now, I think Adu is still capable of going on holiday and getting deals done. I'm not the the one who uh, who, who sort of chooses to believe that all of his work pauses if he's on a yacht with um, <laughs> with Don Raul. Uh, I, maybe they were even cutting some deals. I think I saw an agent there, but uh, please no Coutinho. Please no. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think it's 2021. You know, all you need is a, a cell phone and a laptop to get things done these days, and that's how business is done. Um, so, you know, I guess the plus side of it is um, – 
the team isn't flying across the Atlantic. You know, there's not a disruption to things like sleep patterns, although I know it's, what is it, a five-hour difference to Florida or something like that. But, you know, there's that flying they don't have to deal with. I was always more a fan of the local training camps, you know, when, when you know, even when you went to Austria, it was a lot closer. Um, so, so you know, hope, you know, hopefully this helps get COVID under control, but also enables, enables the right uh, type of preparation. Um, the quality of opponent, though, in Florida, um, you know, it's you're not going to get that in a behind the doors friendly, right? Unless you, uh, unless you really go to some of the other top teams who will already have their their preseason plans underway. I wanted to come back though, um, you know, because we were just talking about Arteta, and there's just a couple things I want to say. First of all, even though I like Arteta, he's had some colossal, colossal mistakes, mm. um, and, and I think you know. Um, playing without a recognizable striker in that first leg of the Europa League semifinals. Um, that's a big mistake. And um, people are smart. They go and look at Pep's Man City and they go, oh, he doesn't have a striker. And you go, is there a connection there? Like, are we trying to emulate emulate something going on there? And I, who knows, right? But, but it was a bit weird. Um, some of his subs have been weird. Some of his persistent with players that aren't performing, as you mentioned, have been weird. What will be key for him? Because... Because make no mistake about it, if we're 12th or 14th at Christmas, that is not good enough. It isn't good enough. We are in a results-based business, and and I have some patience with Arteta, but even my patience will be gone if he's if we're in that type of position. If he continues to make the same mistakes, that is a problem, and we need to probably address the manager. Mm. If he seems to learn from his mistakes and improve as a manager if he's not so hard-headed and he improves as a manager then i'm i'm more than willing to give him a chance um so it'll be interesting to see if he continues to make the same mistakes over and over again and i i don't know if we have enough time in to really know for sure if he will or if he won't um you know if we see william starting in the starting 11 and you know in the first day and there's no sort of extenuating circumstance that has led to that then maybe he hasn't. Maybe I'll reassess my opinion of him. But I think I said this to you the other day. We have a young guy. He, you know, he has coaching experience at Man City. He is managed under some amazing managers. Whether you like Pep or not, Pep has won a lot of things. Um, Arsene Wenger, uh, Moyes, David Moyes. Um, <laughs> yes. He played at some of the biggest clubs. He came through the La Masia at um, Barcelona, right? La Masia was set up by by Croy himself, right? Yeah. So he's he has that pedigree. When you listen to players and staff um, that know him, um, they all sort of say the same thing. He will be a great coach. What will stop him from being a great coach is if he doesn't learn from his mistakes. That's yeah. what makes us all smarter and better at things is when you learn. That's you make a mistake, you got to learn from it. Um, and I would hate for us to pull the trigger too soon on Arteta and for him to go on and become the world's best manager, whether he will or not, I don't know. I'm not saying he will, but he shows up at another club that gives him a little bit more time and a little bit more resources. And all of a sudden we're like, he's the Serge Nabry of, of managers, right? <laughs> Why did we yeah. let him go? Right. Yeah. I would not like that to happen. And it, there is precedent there, whether you liked Unai Emery or not. Um, and he is a bit of a cup specialist, European cup specialist. He just won the, the Europa League, right? At another club um, where he was able to manage and they had patience with him. I personally wanted him gone from Arsenal. I'm not going not gonna to sit here and say that I always wanted him at Arsenal. I didn't. I think things went too, 
went sour at the end for him. Um, but there is precedent there for uh, um, a coach to learn and then go on and be more successful at another, another club for whatever reason. And I would hate for that to happen with Arteta. Mm. But none of yes. us are, you know, fortune tellers. I don't, I can't see the future, right? And I, like I said, to your and to your point, if we're twelfth or fourteenth, come Christmas, we have to make some hard decisions, right? The yes. question will be then: Do we bring in a manager that steadies the ship, um, who says, "Look, this is Arsenal Foot Club, Football Club. I'm in it for the next two years. We'll get you back to where you need to be." Or do we go with a young, hungry manager that wants to promote youth, that wants to learn his craft and be here for a long time? I don't know the answer, right? You know, it's sort of like the Arteta type or the, uh, you know, and and they've got to want to come to Arsenal on our budget and our, you know, maybe potentially not in Europe and all of these things, right? Um, or or you've got you know, sort of like a Carlo Ancelotti type, right? It, it's sort of those two style of managers that you're going to get your choice of. And again, they've got to want to come to Arsenal. It's, I think we just got to stick, right, rather than twist right now um, and see how coming out of COVID with fans and see how um, the transfers and see how, you know, we get a better glimpse of what Arteta's team could look like. We've got to kind of just wait and see. And and there's enough evidence, I think, personally on the back half of last year that we can give him that because he did seem to improve last year. So, yeah. Uh, I answered a bunch of questions there, and some weren't even questions. I just uh, no, no, I like it. I, I, just, I think uh, you made some excellent, excellent points there. Yeah. I, I think as well, like one of the points you made about Arteta there is, as you say, I think we do need to be. Uh, I would argue we need to be sort of sixth upwards by Christmas. I think I, I don't think there's any excuse now, particularly if they do get the the Ben White deal over the line. And I think for me, the crucial one is a another midfielder. You know, we need. We need that Thomas Partey midfield partnership with someone. Uh, I think we've got enough. If you're going to play 4-2-3-1, we've got enough in the forward areas behind a centre-forward. And I think we've got enough between Aubameyang, Lacazette, if both stick around, which it looks like that both will. And I think there's enough in Balogun. To me, he looks like a player who's... Uh, when when Eddie and Katia broke through, he sort of looked like a a player who you knew had done it at a youth level, but never quite convinced at the top level. Balogun to me looks like a player who looked pretty decent at youth level, but is right on the verge of, of making it very quickly at the top level. Almost like he's transitioned better. His movement's better. His intelligence on the ball, his runs off the ball. So I think that kid's going to be really something special. I, I, I genuinely think he's, he's got an Elka potential if, if he's given the, the time. Um, and I know some people won't agree with this and, and there's a lot of fanboys out there for him, but I actually think he's got more upsides than Martinelli, personally. And I, I love Martinelli, don't get me wrong, but I think Balogun's got something a little bit more. So uh, hopefully I'm um, hopefully I'm right on that one. And another one I think to keep an eye on in that youth team is the Nikolai Moller, the young Swedish striker. He's he's very, very good. I don't think he'll break through this year, but uh, he's another one I think that, that might make... Uh, might might be a Bentner-type character, maybe without the, the Lamborghinis and the, the various off-pitch incidents, which probably are best left for another time. Um, one thing I just wanted to uh, ask you as well before we, we do, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, our, our video gaming um, obsession, I guess is the only word we can really use, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but just a straightforward question on Arsenal. Uh, what or where do you see them progressing this season? Like what is success this season? What what do you, do you what do you want to see when we're sat here in, in August burning up again saying, well, 
That was 21-22. Oh, we got to finish above Spurs. Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, that's a given. Um, <laughs> let's let's start with that. Let's just finish above Spurs. Um, and even if it's you know we're 17th and they're 18th, I'm good with that. No, I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> but but that's that. Uh, you know, it's been a few too many years now of um, of us not celebrating Saint Totterham's Day. Um, but I think if we can get back into the European spots, I mean, it's it's so hard to know now what competitive is because there are more teams at the top part of the Premier League than there were 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got right off the bat, you've got big money spenders, City, Chelsea, and Manchester United, right off the bat. Then you have the emergence of teams like um, – Leicester. Oh, and I, I can't forget Liverpool as well, who have spent. Yeah. Spent. Uh, uh, so there's your there's four logical contenders for top four right there. Before we even talk about the Leicesters and the Spurs of the world, um, and, and you know West Ham without Europe last year, uh, you know. So so right off the bat, you have sort of a top four. Um, we're we're certainly spending, so we're not exempt from that comparison. But I think the levels that we're talking about are slightly different um, and the teams that these teams can field. But I think if we could be in the top six, um, I, we weren't that far away from sixth mm -hmm. this year. Like, I think it came down to, we weren't that far away from um, finishing above Tottenham. I think it came to the last game of the season. And then in the end, it came down to goal difference. I think if I'm not mistaken, or uh, no, actually I think Villa needed to beat, beat Spurs. But anyways, we weren't that far off. So I think if we could get in the top six, get a European place, um, top four would be amazing, but I, I just don't want to get too carried away because this is a team in transition. Um, potentially we're going to lose a lot of um, uh, a few of our leaders. It sounds like through transfers, I mean, Granit Xhaka and Hector Bellerin for sure. Um, I'm glad to see that uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette um, are staying. And I, I, I feel like Aubameyang will get back to scoring ways. I don't think he's dried up for good. Uh, at least I hope not. Um, and your point about Balogun, I mean, he looks like he's ready to explode onto the scene. And, and I hope he takes his chance. Mm. Um, and then it's going to come down to who we sign to. I, I agree with you. I think we need a center midfielder to part, partner Partey, particularly if Jack goes. But, he, you know, we do need something different in there. Um you know, do we really need a six, like a destroyer? Do we need a, a ball player? Do we need a hybrid deep line playmaker? I, I don't, you know, or is it Joe Willock, as we discussed earlier? <laughs> uh, it, I, you or, know, I think. Or Sai yeah, Kolasinac, you know, I mean. No, no, he's got to go. He's got to go. Um, Mohamed <laughs> Nani, right? Like, I mean, yeah. side, you know, um, I, I think you're right. I think that should be a priority. I think if Bell, um, Bellerin goes a right back, we'll need another right back. We need a backup goalie. Yeah, we do. Um, talk we about, need, uh, yeah. what's the lad's name? that uh, Sam Johnson, the talk is today for 10 minutes. Yeah. Seems like no. a logical one. Definitely, when they were looking at Ramsdale for what 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 was the number quoted with him, like twenty or twenty five, and yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, doesn't resonate for me. I don't know about no, you, but no, but but yeah. So we need a backup keeper. We need to sign some positions. They need to. Um, we need to have a pretty um, steady preseason where the the team understands what Mikel Arteta wants, especially the new guys. Um, we've got a, you know, what do they say? Like it's hard to get four or five um, 
players into a team and get them up to speed. And especially if they're coming from another country and the culture and, and then they say, you know, it takes about 10 games to get to full match fitness. Well, you mentioned it, our start of our season is, I mean, we don't have any Europe to worry about, but there's some pretty big games in that, that opening run of 10 games. Yeah. It's hard. It's going to be a hard, it's going to be a tough season. It's nice that we don't have Europe to distract us, but I think that just ratchets up expectations on the team and, and probably correctly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can come through it. But I think, you know, top six would be reasonable, a reasonable improvement from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one. I think top six and yeah. European qualification with the added bonus of a, maybe a cup run would be nice, but yeah, top six in Europe needs to be the, the aim uh, for me. I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, before we before we do sort of wrap up, I do want to just spend a couple of minutes really just just talking about our, our kind of mutual addiction for uh, for gaming. Um, we, I've done a couple of podcasts, as you probably know, with with a couple of FIFA guys, and uh, as you said, Danny's done a few Twitch streams. Um, don't worry, by the way, listeners, we won't be doing hot tub streams with Danny. That's not on the agenda, so don't worry, that won't be coming to ABW. Thank God. But uh, yeah, we we talk pretty much on a daily basis about about FIFA and uh, we're recording the day that the new game sort of first footage of the gameplay was released today and some very well-dressed gentlemen sat in deck chairs went through the various features and whatnot it was all very polished and uh, you live very close to uh, a good old EA's headquarters as well so um what what's your kind of thoughts on on the gaming kind of world and particularly with FIFA because we're we're kind of like as you said we're we're both sort of above the age of thirty now and we 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 kind of I think we're both sort of see eye to eye on this in that we spend a lot of time moaning about the game me in particular I should stress but we keep coming back to it and uh, is it just because of our love for the sport even though we know this game is a bit of a mess and uh, and and are you are you kind of you said it the other day. You were like, "Oh, maybe I, maybe I may not go so heavy next year." I think we've both said that for three years now, uh, and I blame you for getting me back into fuck because I was always oh, a career okay. mode guy, and then you dragged me in, and I'm still here. So, what do you make of like the online, particularly the FIFA sort of uh, side of the gaming gaming side for you? Is do you actually enjoy it as a, as a, an escape, or are you like me, you kind of enjoy it but with a grimace as you play? a bit of both sometimes uh as you know um ea has made a wonderfully addictive product and the reason you know it is addictive is that um you hate yourself when you're playing it (laughs) (laughs) so true uh you know and it drives you bonkers but i i enjoy it i have a competitive streak um Listener, many listeners will know I can't play sports anymore. Uh, I have a, a disability, so I like to think in my head at least that this is how I get my com- competitive juices out um, and flowing. But yeah, EA, you know, through their loot box system, um, through their flash promotions, through their game card design, have made something that is wonderfully addictive um, and terrible at the same time. Right? <laughs> um, and like you, I mean, I like to. I like the aspect of building a team and then taking it online and, and, you know, seeing if I stack up and uh, sometimes I do. And sometimes I want to eat my controller through the screen, like (laughs) almost everyone else that plays this game. Um, And it's, it's too bad. I think 
specifically from the loot box aspect of it. And I know there's been comments around gambling and they're trying to get away from it. And, you know, FIFA points have been banned in certain countries and, um, uh, you know, as you know, this year, this year and last year, I ran a, a no FIFA points, so I don't put money into the game. Just this, it's called a road to glory. I try and build my team up. Um, but yeah, it feels like there's a lot of opportunity for them to do right by a video game. Um, I mean, there's hours of engagement that people play in this game. It's it's got a whole community. Um, you know, there's a lot of content creators. I was watching one the other day, likely one that you know uh, from England, uh, Nepenthes, uh, was talking about how um, video games have changed and how engagement has changed and the content to engage you and draw you in changes in FIFA is no different. It's got something every single day um, to draw you in and ideally spend money on. And unfortunately, when you're in a, in a model that they're trying to collect your dollar bills, they're not always looking out for the best interests of the people that are playing that game. And, um, and I think we're going to just continue to see that because people continue to spend money. Um, it wasn't long ago that you bought a video game and you played it and you could play it for as long as you want, even earlier iterations of FIFA and you could get any player you wanted and you could just play it and have fun. And now there's all these conditions on it. And, you know, you have to spend this much and you might get this and you, you have to do this and you might get that. And, you know, let's be honest. I know you're talking about the trailer, that game that they're showing doesn't resemble what will play when the game gets released in October. And even if it does by November, after the first three patches, it won't. Um, so it's not something I get super excited about. So yeah, I know I'd said it the other day, I, maybe it's just time to take a break. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's see you, in, see you in September. Yeah. yeah maybe it's just time <laughs> to take a break, like it's time to go outside. Right. And, and I yeah. have been actually, I've been, the last couple of months have been playing uh, less, but uh, it's a, I mean, a fascinating psychological experiment. And unfortunately the only competitor that they seem to have Pez can't get their stuff together to no. offer a product. And when they do do stuff, it seems to mirror the loot boxing of, of FIFA. So mm. it doesn't seem like there's that one out there that's advanced enough to be able to handle the mechanics and the licensing and the flash and the engagement, but without sort of that horrible addiction yeah um, it just doesn't seem like there's that game is out there or, or the possibility of that game is even out there so you just keep going back and playing it more yeah yeah, yeah we're, we're both old enough to remember the days of like gaming before it was even online and it was just like yeah. you bought a, a cartridge game like a mega drive or a super nintendo whatever yeah. and you bought a game and you played it until it yeah. stopped working and you had to blow on the cartridge to make it work and uh now it's like like you say you can you can drop money on a game on a credit card like that before you even yeah. know you don't even need to go to the shop to physically buy it anymore and uh, like you say the transition into these sort of preview packs and these new changeovers it's going down that Fortnite call of duty kind of uh aspect if you will where people are going to make their money and you know i guess we're all kind of hypocrites because we all pay for it and we all keep playing it but ultimately i think you're a lot like me it's it's our love for the game that draws us in and i mean the game literally the game of football rather than necessarily the game we play and i think that's kind of what drives us both nuts isn't it when we're conceding goals to as we call them little timmies with no hands and you just think to yourself <laughs> that wouldn't happen in real football and then you remind yourself but we're not playing real football so it's just a circle of death isn't it really at times 
It is not real. It is no. not real life. Um, no. But but one benefit I found, and and probably not you so much because you are tend to be quite educated in in terms of. Um, players around Europe and young players around Europe. And I know through your hipster stuff and, and your connections through French football, you know, these players, but the one advantage I find is that when Arsenal get linked with someone that no one's heard of, I've heard of them. Yes. You probably um, got the card in your club. <laughs> no, I threw them into an SBC. Right. But I, I mean, Dave Seeger the other day put out a tweet about who's honestly heard honest, be honest of Locatelli. Mm. Right. I have to answer. I have heard of them. Yeah. Before we were linked, I had heard of him and he sort of went on to say, well, all these people that uh, haven't heard of him, I guess they don't watch, you know, Italian football and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't watch Italian football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got him. I've got him 1500 times in packs this year. Right. You know, yeah. he plays for yeah. Sassuolo. He's not bad, you know, <laughs> anyways. Was, so it's, I, that is I the one see- benefit. I always find it funny as well that when you when you get uh, like when all the ratings come out and you buy a new game and you and you get like a player for example like if you go on the game now and you search out um, Laconga for example he's probably going to be rated at something like sixty one silver or something he's going to be appalling and yet it, because he's now signed for Arsenal you can bet your bottom dollar he'll probably be seventy four seventy five in the game next year yeah. and this is the guy that nobody would heard of and also how the the FIFA community, if you will, if you go on any sort of Reddit threads or whatever, and and somebody is being linked with, uh, like Spinozola is a prime example, you know, and people are saying, oh, I feel so sorry for him, and and you and you're like, you read through these threads, and they're like, yeah, well, he's my, been my starting left back since since summer of fat player, and you know, he's elite, he's got five star skills, or and you and you just sat there going, you didn't even have a clue who this guy was a month ago, but you've got his cards, so. You know that there's that emotional attachment, I suppose, to players that you you play on the online gaming world. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird old it's a weird old environment. I know that Danny has mentioned the idea that he's thinking about doing a Twitch stream of uh, him just playing Football Manager, which I don't know about you, but I'm I'm all over that because watching Danny do anything fascinates me. Watching Danny lose his marbles playing FM, something about that really excites me. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, you, I think you remember him playing. Was it FIFA Seventeen? He played online for a while on YouTube. He had a YouTube channel. Do you remember that? There was a lot of anger. There was. Uh, there was a lot of. He probably shouldn't play FIFA. No. Um, but or yeah, he, I think so. Or yeah. he should be a streamer. I mean, imagine or the he views be, he yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he would he would make all the rage compilations, wouldn't he? He'd be he'd be elite level at this um but yeah he'd be all the best bits of all your favorite streamers wouldn't he and probably yeah. all the worst bits as well oh yeah. some of the things that he would say i don't think would make the air somehow but uh Damn. yeah um shout out to ellis and and josh and stefan as well because i think they're doing the the club scene again next year and Thanks. i think the plan is to utilize the, the that for that so um yeah unfortunately jeff and i I don't think we'll be streaming any of our games anytime no. soon. Because, um, no. uh, yeah, at 38 years of age, I still turn into a 12-year-old child at weekends. So, you know. I, I, you I'm with you. I mean, I don't even want to comment in streams on Twitch about my age <laughs> because I don't want to be thanked for my service. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah. I was I was in somebody's stream earlier on, actually, uh, Nick's stream that we follow, and uh, somebody was saying to him, um, uh, he was sort of reviewing the new gameplay footage, and he was kind of slating Pez. 
and uh, somebody um, sort of sent in a voiced message into the tweet into the Twitch and just said, "Oh, um, so you don't like Pez? Why don't you keep your opinions to yourself?" And <laughs> and Nick just sort of zoomed the camera on himself. He's like. I'm a streamer. <laughs> That's the whole premise of yeah. this whole platform yeah. to give my opinions. You know, it's just yeah. the online gaming community, whether it's FIFA or anything, there, there's some very strange characters out there. Some very cool characters. Don't get it wrong. Some very yeah. entertaining personalities, but it, there's some odd ones. There are some odd ones. Be careful who you follow boys and girls. Sure. Um, fantastic well i think we will wrap it up there jeff it's been fantastic i mean you know as well as i do we, we could just talk for hours and um probably will again in the future yeah. so this is just a glimpse behind the curtain at some of the things we discuss on a daily basis but um you you are a, a very creative man in terms of uh certain things you pop out on the twitter sphere and uh, certain pictures you create and whatnot so it would be remiss of me to to not give you a, an opportunity to let people know where they can follow you should they wish to do so i would not follow me <laughs> um, you, you I, say that. I don't really want to engage with you uh <laughs> not you chris but but i wouldn't uh i wouldn't i don't <laughs> i might like your tweets and stuff but uh <laughs> if if you're looking for me i, I don't you know it's at holofriend h-o-l-l-e-f-r-e-u-n-d but don't don't follow me it's not it's not worth your time um and uh yeah, how's that for a non-promotion? I could care. I could care less, right? Like, you know, you know, I'm not about that life, uh, you know. But um, and I think probably after listening to me waffle on, there's no one that will want to follow me. So I think that's a win-win. Uh, what you call a classic win-win. <laughs> I, I think there's plenty of people that that uh, that know and love you just just as much as we do. And uh, the whole purpose of this show I wanted to do was was get people on that I. Uh, you know, I can just chat to without having to have a script and without having to have any pressures of certain questions being off limits and whatever. I wanted to just be totally chill with people that I know uh, our listeners enjoy listening to. And yeah, there's no doubt you are one of those. So um, that's you told. That's that. So. Well, thank you. And thank you for um, thank you for inviting me and thank you for bringing me back on uh, on a Burkham Wonderland. I thought for certain my last pod was my last pod. So um, so thanks. Appreciate it. You are very welcome. There is never a last pod with ABW. You you will be back, and uh, you know if nothing else, I'll drag you out at some point in FIFA 22, and we'll have another moment. So it will happen. Sure. Don't worry about it. Sure, you got it. <laughs> but my thanks to you, Jeff, and of course my thanks to everybody who has tuned into not just this show but the previous three shows. Uh, there will be more. I'm I'm reliably informed. I'm working on a couple of guests at the moment. Uh, a couple of um, fairly high-profile uh, people actually out there, but I'm not going to say too much because you know what happens when you say that and then they don't actually end up coming on and you look a bit silly. So I'll keep my powder dry there, but working on a few names and a few uh, of the uh, sort of names and faces that you'll be very familiar with already. So keep tuned into the ABW field uh, and um, we will keep off field. No, that's not the, that's not the word I was looking for. Uh, feed is the word I was looking for there. It's late at night. Forgive me. But yeah, stay tuned to the feed. We will release uh, details of new guests coming up soon. And of course, the season is what? Ooh, 24, 25 days away. It's creeping up. It's creeping up, boys and girls. So we will be gearing up for the new season. And of course, all the usual regular full Arsenal content will return soon. So once again, Jeff, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
good stuff and thank you again to our listeners we appreciate each and every one of you if you haven't already please do hit the subscribe down below uh flick danny's bell and do all that goodness wipe your hands afterwards though because you don't know where it's been and uh yeah please leave us a comment if you're enjoying these um if you want to drop us a line please do because it lets us know that you're enjoying the old content so thank you very much for listening this has been abw in conversation with jeff i have been chris your host and we'll speak to you very soon as soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>